Good morning, everyone, and welcome to week number four of our series called Dressed for Success. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is Pete and I serve as the lead pastor. And I just wanna say thank you to every one of you for once again, inviting us into your homes. I am really excited about today's message as I believe it's a very timely message given everything that we are facing as a people and as a society today. Fear is running rampant and peace is hard to come by. Of course, I'm referring to the coronavirus and all of the different restrictions that have been imposed uh, to try and slow the spread of this virus. Here in Western New York, earlier this week, we, we got the news that we are entering phase one of the state's four-phase reopening plan. And earlier this week, Governor Cuomo announced that churches and houses of worship would be a part of phase four of this plan. And many of you are asking the question, well, when can we resume gathering again? I want you to know that our executive leadership team met this week and are gonna continue meeting and discussing, putting together our strategy and plan for what that's gonna look like for us. And so we will communicate that plan to you as soon as we have it more clearly defined. But this virus has certainly created a lot of fear for everyone. And different people have felt that fear differently. Some people are fearful that if we reopen too quickly, we will see a surge of the virus and, you know, those numbers will go back up and we might even see more of a loss of life. Other people, on the other hand, might feel fearful at the amount of control they think the government has on our lives and how quickly they feel the, the government has been able to trample on our rights and take our liberties from us. But no matter what type of fear you've experienced, I want you to know that I believe God has given me a message to speak to you exactly where you're at and, and it's gonna bring peace to your soul today. That's what today's message is all about as we continue our look into the full armor of God that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Normally, our series are three to four weeks, but we're spending seven weeks on this passage of Scripture because we need to understand that God is a very real God who loves us more than anything we can imagine, and He has a plan for our lives. But we also have a very real enemy and he is doing everything he can to prevent us from walking in the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. There is a war taking place in the spiritual realm. And whether we realize it or not, every single one of us is engaged in that war. And the good news is that we're not fighting for victory in this war. The victory's already been won. Jesus accomplished the victory for us when he went to the cross and then walked out of that tomb three days later. And because we are seated with him in the heavenly places, we are fighting from a place of victory and that victory is irrevocable. But we still have to fight. So God has given us his armor that we get to put on to dress for success so that we can withstand the attacks of our spiritual enemy as we move forward in his calling and purposes on our lives. So just like in the previous weeks, I wanna read once again from this passage of scripture, starting in verse 10 of chapter six, Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says a second time, put on the full armor of God. You've got to dress for success, in other words, so that when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, the belt of truth we talked about two weeks ago was the first and most important piece of the spiritual armor because it's what supported and held everything else together. Then last week, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And righteousness, we learned, is both right living, right standing with God, and right living. It protects our most vital spiritual organ, our heart, which is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions, and our conscience. And when we have the breastplate of righteousness in place, it protects us from the accusations of the enemy. We are made righteous through Jesus who imputes his righteousness to us and then fills us with his Holy Spirit, giving us the power to live rightly before him. And this gives us the confidence to stand against the enemy and his accusations because of who God says we are. Now today we're gonna look at the third piece of the armor which Paul lists in the very next verse, in verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He's talking about shoes. Shoes are important. Before you leave the house to go anywhere or do anything, the last thing you usually do is put on shoes. And what you're going to go do determines what type of shoes you put on, right? If it's snowing outside, you're probably gonna put on some snow boots. If you're going for a run, you're gonna probably put on some running sneakers. Climbers have special shoes for climbing. And if you play football or soccer or baseball, you're gonna put on some cleats. Ballet dancers wear ballet slippers. And if you're going to the beach, you're going to put on flip-flops or something like that. Having the right shoes for the task that you are engaged on is important. And the same was true for the Roman soldier that served as Paul's illustration as he's listing this spiritual armor. You got to remember, Paul is writing this while under house arrest in Rome, and he is chained to a Roman soldier. And so he's going through the different pieces of armor that a Roman soldier wore that his readers would have been very familiar with and comparing that with the spiritual armor that God gives to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And for the Roman soldier, the shoes that they wore were heavy-duty, thick-soled military sandals that were called caligae, kind of half-boot, half-sandal. It was made of a high-quality leather, cut with open-work designs along the top and the sides to allow for ventilation and movement without rubbing. The soles were made of multiple layers of leather that were attached with hobnails. Now, hobnails were little nails that went through the bottom of the shoe and then protruded out the bottom to provide extra traction in the soft ground. Kind of similar to modern-day cleats for those of you who've played football or baseball or soccer. It allows for people to make quick movements without slipping and falling, which reminds me of my freshman year of high school when I tried out for the JV football team. I loved playing wide receiver and that's the position I wanted to try out for. And I can't remember if I couldn't afford the cleats or if I just hadn't gotten around to purchasing the cleats before uh, the first practice was scheduled to begin. But nonetheless, I didn't have cleats. I just showed up with my regular old tennis shoes or basketball shoes, which you know, are useless in the mud. And the ground was pretty wet. It had rained the night before. And I remember getting lined up to run my first route to catch a pass And I ran out 10 yards and then tried to pivot and make a quick cut. And I fell flat on my face into the mud, embarrassing myself in front of all of my friends because the cleats is what gives you 
you know, solid traction to make movements in slippery terrain. And the same was true for the Roman soldiers. Their sandals or their boots kept the soldier sure-footed and stable to hold his ground against an advancing enemy. In ancient warfare, a lot of times battles were won or lost largely according to the weight of the masses and as they hurled themselves against each other. The heavier the men and the more firm their footing, those were likely to be the victors in a battle. Think of it as like a modern day illustration of, you know, football. You got offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And imagine a 300 pound defensive lineman, you know, big as a bear, agile as an acrobat. And he is coming up against an offensive lineman. And and if that offensive lineman doesn't have cleats, as the defensive lineman is bearing down on him to to get to the quarterback, that offensive lineman doesn't have a prayer of standing his ground if he doesn't have the right footwear against the advancing enemy. And spiritually speaking, you and I need a firm foundation to stand our ground while being pressed against on the front lines of the spiritual battles that we all face. To stand firm, we've got to have the right spiritual shoes. And if You remember from those verses, Paul told us four times to stand in the verses preceding. To stand while there are spiritual forces of darkness pressing against you, you need the right shoes to to dig in and hold your ground. And according to Paul, the right shoes for this spiritual battle is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, of all the things that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, Peace is at the top of the list. He will stir up dissension and division and discord both around you and within you, using every opportunity he can to steal your peace. He wants you living in a constant state of unease and and nervousness and anxiousness and, and being worried, being unstable. Wherever you feel an overriding sense of unrest inside your soul or turmoil in your relationships, you can be sure that the enemy probably has his hand in it somewhere stirring that up. Basically, anywhere peace is lacking in your life, it's a telltale sign that the enemy is probably at work there. Because he knows that we can't survive the storms of life, which are inevitable, without God's peace. And we have to understand that peace is both a defensive and an offensive weapon. Peace not only protects you, but it also provides you with a brutal weapon to wield against the enemy when he attacks. If you use the weapon of peace correctly, it will keep your spiritual foes where they belong, which is under your feet. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. But Paul says we've gotta be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And that word fitted, or some translations uh, say shod, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word fitted or shod in the original language conveys the idea of binding something very tightly on the bottom of one's foot. This was not the picture of a loose fitting shoe. It was tied on very tightly. Paul is saying that we must tie peace to our lives tightly, binding it around our minds and our emotions If we give peace only a loose-fitting position in our lives, then the affairs of life are easily going to knock our peace out of place. And then there's the readiness of the gospel of peace. Readiness talks about firm footing, having a solid foundation. 
with the assurance that their shoes were gonna stay in place and wouldn't slip and fall when the attack came, a soldier was ready to march out onto the battlefield and confront the enemy. And what makes you and I ready? Paul says it's peace. God's peace is an inner tranquility and calmness of the soul that gives you and I a firm foundation so secure we can step with confidence and faith onto the battlefield without being moved by what we see or hear happening around us. We're able to stand firm when we have peace that comes only from God. You and I can only go as far as our feet will take us. Without the right shoes, a soldier wouldn't be able to stand for very long periods of time, much less move forward with agility as they advanced against an enemy. And a lack of peace in our lives spiritually not only makes it extremely difficult to stand firm while under spiritual attack, it can also cripple someone from moving forward in life. Peace gives us a firm foundation and sure footing a constant readiness for when the battle comes our way and God tells us to move forward in life. Now, I believe that there are two types of peace that are important for us to understand as we consider what it means to wear the shoes of peace when standing firm against the enemy. And both of them are found in the good news of the gospel. The first is peace with God and the second is peace of God. The peace of God is built on the foundation of peace with God. You and I are able to have the peace of God once we've received peace with God. And peace with God is what a person experiences when he or she places their faith in Jesus for salvation. Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. He said, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you and I, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You see, that's good news. Our sin separates us from God. And in order to approach God, our sin had to be paid for. That's why Jesus went to the cross to reconcile us back to himself, to restore a relationship with us, thus making peace with us forever. And it ended by saying, uh, you are holy and blameless. Being declared blameless is the same thing as righteousness. We talked about that last week when we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about the gap between God's perfect holiness and righteousness and our unrighteousness. And I want to show you how righteousness and peace are tied together in another verse that Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, right, that's imputed righteousness. We learned that last week where Christ credits his own righteousness to our spiritual account. Because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace with God is a product of being, de- of being declared righteous by him when we put our faith in him and what he did for us on the cross. That is the gospel of peace. 
The word gospel literally means good news. And the good news is the gap that separated us from God has been bridged in Jesus Christ. He has made a way for us to experience peace with God. That is the main message of the gospel. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul talks about peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, When the Messiah came, when Jesus came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Jesus came to preach peace, the good news of peace to all of us so that we could have peace with God. The ability to stand firm under the mounting pressures of life and the spiritual attack that we all face is only possible when we have peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I honestly don't know how people who don't have a relationship with Jesus do it. When you think about all the things that we have to face in this life, from job loss to economic downturns and, and relationship hurts and trials and tragedies that we all face and you know, the, the loss of loved ones and, and global pandemics. I mean, it's just, there's so much. And if our emotional state is connected to the constantly changing circumstances of this world, how can anyone experience real peace up one day and down the next? Peace with God is what is the anchor in our souls that keeps us stable when everything around us is just swirling with uncertainty. This peace with God then produces the peace of God. Peace with God is what makes us qualified candidates to receive the peace of God. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I don't give to you as the world gives. That's unreliable. It's not with strings attached. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace of God is a gift from Jesus and it's given to us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that we receive at the moment of salvation. The moment we say yes to Jesus, we confess our sins to him and we place our faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside our spirits. He begins the work of sanctification, which we learned last week, the process of conforming us into the image of Christ, changing our desires, which then influence our actions. But in Galatians 5, Paul says that this Holy Spirit that now lives in us has some fruit, has some character traits that begin to be produced in our lives. And one of them is peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The sad reality is though, is that it is possible to have peace with God without experiencing the peace of God. There are a lot of Christians walking around today who are at peace with God because of their salvation experience, but they're not walking in the peace of God and they're walking around in constant fear and anxiety and worry as a result. So how do we experience the peace of God? Well, in Colossians chapter three, verse 15, Paul says this. He says to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now the word rule there is key to understanding the protective peace of God. The word rule in the original language was used to portray an umpire or referee that judged the athletic games in the ancient world. By using this word and choosing this illustration, Paul is saying that there is a place where the peace of God, instead of fear or worry or anxiety, 
can begin to call the shots and make the decisions in your life. So you could translate this verse, let the peace of God call the shots in your life. Let the peace of God umpire your life and your actions. Let the peace of God referee your emotions and your decisions. You see, Paul tells you that peace is, is kind of, it's what tells you what's, what's out of bounds and what's in bounds. And the enemy is going to take every advantage of the unrenewed areas of your mind. We touched on that last week. And he's going to create fear and anxiety and unrest with all of the storms that we face in this life, causing you to feel unstable in your mind and your emotions. Peace is what protects us from that. That's why we must learn to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, especially in these crazy days that we are living in. When this supernatural peace rules in our hearts, umpiring our life and refereeing our emotions and our decisions, the devil can't get a foothold. Satan can't play games with your emotions or your mind when they're being governed or ruled or umpired by peace. His attacks just don't, they're, they're not effective anymore when we're walking in the presiding and prevailing peace of God. Now, this is important to understand because standing firm, like Paul tells us to do, doesn't necessarily mean we're in a stationary position. Standing firm with the shoes of peace means we're supposed to advance against the enemy. We've got to stop operating with this defensive mindset against the enemy. So many Christians are like, well, I just got to survive the attacks of the enemy. No, 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 no. He is a defeated foe. Jesus told us before he ascended to his father to go into all the world, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of peace, advancing the kingdom of God. And again, if you remember from week one, we're not fighting for victory. We already have the victory. We are fighting from a place of victory and that victory is irrevocable. So we've got to invade enemy territory from that position of victory and take back what the enemy has stolen from us. We've been charged to go and rescue those who are still held captive by the enemy. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he wasn't talking about building a building. The church there is ecclesia. It's a gathering of called out ones who are sent out on mission. We, you and I are the church. And when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. You got to understand that a gate was a stationary defensive measure. We think about the enemy attacking our lives when in reality, we are the ones that are supposed to be on the offensive. And when we come up against a, a gate of the enemy, the church of Jesus Christ, the gates cannot prevail against the advancement of God's church, of the church of Jesus Christ. Do you see this? See, you, you and I have shoes so that we can move forward. Standing firm is not just about digging in, it's about moving forward. And the peace of God helps to guide you so that as you're moving forward, you know what steps to take and what steps not to take. So yes, peace is a defensive piece of the armor, protecting our hearts from fear and worry. But we also need to see peace as an offensive weapon. So earlier I showed you a picture of those sandals that had the hobnails protruding through the bottom. And there were different lengths of nails depending on what position a soldier was in. But the ones that were in the thick of the battle had hobnails that were any, anywhere from one to three inches long that a soldier could use to kick the enemy as they advanced in hand-to-hand -hand combat. After using them to, to dig in for firm footing and gain leverage to push back and knock over the enemy, they would then 
step on and kick the enemy in the head. Look at what Paul writes now in Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now the word crush that Paul used there evoked very violent imagery. The word in the original language means to crush completely, to shatter or break bones into pieces by crushing. Again, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And this verse teaches us that Satan's only rightful position is under our feet, where God's peace completely crushes him to pieces. And just like we saw last week, there's, with righteousness, there's a partnership here, right? It says the God of peace crushes him. Jesus completely destroyed Satan's power over your life and over my life through his death and resurrection making peace with us through it. The God of peace crushes him, but he does it under our feet. See, our God-given mission is to take the message of the gospel of peace to our world, to reinforce the victory that's already been won and demonstrate through our lives just how miserably defeated the enemy already is. Jesus secured the victory, but we still have to walk it out. And I think it's time that we do some walking. Like God told Joshua, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads. What's on the soles of our feet? The gospel of peace. We need to start advancing the gospel and reclaiming what the enemy has stolen from us. We need to go in and possess the land. You see, we often think about peace being the opposite of war. There's peacetime and wartime, and you can't have peace if there's war happening. But spiritually speaking, that's not the case. We are right now in the middle of a spiritual war and the battles are unavoidable. And the peace of God is both a defensive and offensive weapon that God has given us to use in this war designed to help us stand firm in spiritually slippery terrain when the storms of life are, are wanting to knock us off course, protects our hearts from fear and worry, but also helps us to move forward as we demolish strongholds as we take back what the enemy has stolen from us and announce the good news of peace and victory to those who are still bound. So how do we put on these shoes of peace? Well, you need to understand that if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you already have peace with God. But how do we let the peace of God begin to rule in our hearts? Well, we have to activate it in our lives. And I'm gonna show you two verses from scripture, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament that work together to help activate peace in our lives. In another letter that Paul wrote, Philippians, he says this in Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And that will preach by itself right there. So many people are so anxious about what's happening in our world today. But Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, first, that word guard there in the original language means to keep, to guard, to protect, or to garrison. It's the picture of a band of Roman soldiers who are standing watch over something that needs protection. By using this word, Paul tells us that the peace of God, when activated in your life, will guard your heart and your mind 
Just as a band of Roman soldiers will surround important dignitaries or places of importance to guard them from possible harm. When God's peace is active in your life, it surpasses all natural understanding in its ability to keep, to guard, and to, to protect you from the enemy's attacks. Again, God's peace is an inner tranquility and calmness of the soul that transcends our ability to understand how we can be at peace when chaos is surrounding us. So your coworker is not going to understand how you can be so settled and at peace when there's so much uncertainty about your job's future. Your spouse may not be able to understand how you can have peace and even sleep at night when you don't know how the bills are going to be paid or you know, how you're going to put food on the table. You don't even necessarily understand yourself how you can be at peace when faced with such crazy circumstances today. See, God's peace guards your heart by protecting you from things that make you anxious. Peace, we've got to understand, doesn't come from how much money we have in the bank account. Peace doesn't come from what political party holds power. Peace doesn't come from knowing when the powers that be will, you know, reopen society and let us start eating out at restaurants again. Peace doesn't come from wearing masks to protect yourself against the pandemic or protect others from a pandemic. Peace comes from praying to the all-powerful God whose plans for you and me are good and whose promises never fail regardless of any pandemic. See, peace digs down deep into the ground, keeping you stable no matter what's happening around you as it guards and protects your heart and your mind. Notice Paul didn't say that we shouldn't bring requests to God. It's not wrong to have things that cause us to be concerned and to bring those to God in prayer. Peter tells us to cast all of our cares upon God for he cares for us. See, but Paul adds an important instruction here that so many people miss. See, so many people when they're praying, they see God as this spiritual Santa Claus almost, just presenting their wish list like a, like a genie in the bottle. God, these are the things I need and want you to do in my life. Amen. But no, Paul says in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Then the peace of God that passes understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, thanksgiving activates peace. Thanksgiving is the key that unlocks the door that lets the peace of God come in to begin to rule in your hearts. We need to start expressing our gratitude and thanksgiving to God for who he is and for everything that he has done for us. Thanksgiving activates peace. Now look with me at the Old Testament passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 26, verses three and four. The prophet writes this, speaking to God, he says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now, the word keep there is very similar to the word guard that Paul used in Philippians. This is what ties these two verses together. The word keep means to garrison like a soldier, protecting, guarding, and defending. The only way we can be thankful, even when there are requests that have to be made known to God, is when we trust that no matter what is happening in our lives, God is the everlasting rock who is who he said he is and can do what he said he can do. So notice the progression. Trust is what fuels thanksgiving. And thanksgiving then activates peace. So I'm gonna tell you to be thankful. 
no matter what's happening in your life. Even in the midst of your storm, even in the midst of that thing you're praying about in your marriage or for your kids, even in the midst of our current political climate, even in the midst of a global pandemic, when we choose thankful prayer over wallowing in anxiety and worry, we are demonstrating an unshakable trust in God. Keeping our thoughts fixed on him, our minds stayed on him, instead of being absorbed by the circumstances, tells the Lord that we believe he is able to overcome anything, even the most difficult circumstances. And this kind of faith catches his attention. And he responds by activating peace within us. A peace that not only guards, but also guides. When God sees this type of faith, when our mind is stayed on him instead of what's happening around us, praying with thanksgiving, the peace of God grows within us. It stabilizes our runaway emotions. It centers our minds and guides our footsteps. It even overflows into our relationships with others. When we express gratitude and, and the peace of God comes into our lives, you know, it's, it helps us to, you know, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We become easier people to be around. Have you ever noticed that when you're around someone who's uneasy and anxious, it's, it's a little bit unnerving, but when someone's just at peace, it's like, I wanna be around that person. This is how we put on the shoes of peace. We trust and we express gratitude. We say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Then we experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So starting today, anytime you feel worry or anxiety starting to creep into your heart, take that as a cue to turn your attention to God. Pray, go ahead and present your request to him. Trust him, knowing that he has proven himself faithful over and over again, and thank him. Thank him for all of the blessings in your life. No matter what's happening in your life, there is always something to thank him for. And when you do that, watch how his peace, a peace that you can't even begin to explain, begins to grow in your heart. Then your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I wanna close with a story about a guy named Horatio Spafford who lived in the 1800s. And the year 1871 was not a good year for him or his family. Horatio was a follower of Jesus Christ, had four, four daughters, and um, he invested uh, his money into some real estate investment properties in early 1871 and experienced some success with that. But all of his investment went up in flames in the great fire of Chicago in the latter part of 1871. A short time later, as uh, a way to just get away from the distraction and, and start to recoup uh, from the loss of the fire, he thought it would be a good idea to take his family on vacation to go see his friend, the preacher D.L. Moody, who was preaching in England. So he booked some tickets on a boat to head to England. But in a last second thing that popped up, he wasn't able to go with his family. He had to tend to some business matters. And so he stayed behind and said, I'll join you in a couple weeks. On the voyage over to England, the boat that was carrying Horatio's wife and four daughters collided with another vessel and sunk, killing 226 people on board, including all four of Horatio's daughters. His wife would be rescued. 
She was pulled out of the waters, unconscious, floating on a piece of debris in the water. When she got to England, she sent a telegram to Horatio with two words on the telegram, saved alone. Horatio immediately got on a boat and headed over to England. And he told the captain of the ship that he wanted to know the exact spot where the ship that had carried his wife and four daughters went down. And when, he was, when they came to that spot and was told that this is where the crash happened with desperation and tears running down his face, he sat down and penned the words of the famous hymn that so many of us know and love, It Is Well With My Soul. And the lyrics of that first verse of that song go like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way and sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The only way that Horatio could write those words is if he had experienced the supernatural peace of God that passes all human ability to comprehend or understand. And that peace, the peace of God is available to everyone who's experienced peace with God. And that's what I want for every single one of you. I'm gonna close with another verse that Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you first and foremost that you have provided a way for us to have peace with you. That even though we were far off and hostile towards you, we were enemies of God because of our evil thoughts and actions. You sent Jesus to this earth to make a way for us to be declared righteous and holy by you. God, thank you for the cross that makes it possible for us to be to experience peace with you. And God, I thank you for the gift of your peace that you give to those of us who've placed our faith in you that helps us to stand firm in the midst of the storms of life. God, I thank you that your peace is both a defensive weapon that protects and guards our hearts and our minds as we stand firm against the enemy's schemes. And I thank you that it's also an offensive weapon that crushes the enemy under our feet as we advance your kingdom. God, I pray that your church would wake up to the reality of who we are in you, fighting from a place of victory, and we would go on the offensive. Call us to arms, Lord, and let peace be what we protect ourselves with knowing that you have given us every place the sole of our foot treads, that we would start to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. As we continue to pray, I don't wanna let this opportunity pass by without making sure that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that it is well with your soul. Going to church doesn't make it well with your soul. Listening to this message is great, but it doesn't make it well with your soul. See, peace with God comes from the gospel. The good news that those of us who were far off from God can be brought near to God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, it would be my privilege today to lead you in a prayer so that you can have peace with God. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will have peace with God. And if you're ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ right now, I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and put up a hands up emoji if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or click the raise a hand button if you're watching on church online. And I wanna invite you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that you are the son of God who died for my sin and rose from the dead to give me new life. So today, I place faith alone in Christ alone to remove my sins from me. Take up residence in me through the person of the Holy Spirit and fill me with your peace. Let it guard my heart and guide my steps as I follow you every day for the rest of my life. Today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen and amen. Well, on behalf of Life Church Buffalo, let me be the first one to welcome those of you who just prayed that prayer to the family of God. Scripture says that when one sinner comes to repentance, the angels in heaven rejoice. And here at this church, we celebrate life change. We exist to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. You're now my brother or my sister in the Lord. And as a church family, we're excited to come alongside of you and help you on this new journey as you take next steps and follow Jesus Christ. Monica is gonna come back on in just a moment and suggest something that you can do to let us know about the decision that you made so that we can help you take some of those next steps. But church, I love you so much. I'm so excited and can't wait to be with you again in person until that is able to happen. Don't forget to start every day by putting on the full armor of God to be dressed for success so that you can stand your ground against the devil's schemes. Next week, we'll continue our discussion with the shield of faith. I love you so much. God bless. Have an awesome week and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Pastor Pete, for another incredible message. What a great reminder to take into the week that Thanksgiving activates peace and that it is actually both a weapon to fight our battles with as well as a piece of armor that protects us. If you said yes to Jesus today, first of all, I want you to know that we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of believers. We'd love to help you take your next step in your faith journey. So would you give us a hands up emoji in the comment section? Or you can go to our website, lifechurchbuffalo.com and click on the next steps button. And now it's time for Kids Life Live. If you have children at home, join Pastor Beth as she brings the Bible to life. And if you're catching this on replay, you can find all of our content on youtube.com slash lifechurchbuffalo. Thank you again for joining us. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you right back here next week.